This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time again for Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Bruno. And I went to the Olive Garden today. And I'm joined by Jeff Hawkins, who does not like the Olive Garden. Jeff, what do you have against the Olive Garden? Why can't a man enjoy endless breadsticks and affordable salad without being patronized by his co-host, Jeff? What is that all about? Why don't, why don't you just crap in my mouth and pour ragu down my throat? Huh? Is that what you <laughs> order at the Olive Garden? I've, I've actually never been to the Olive Garden, so because they don't exist where I live. Um, <laughs> no, I just found it funny. Cause oh, out there in me. Hollywood, where where they don't have Olive Gardens? Oh no! If I if I went to like Orange County or like the deep deep valley like Chatsworth, I'm sure I could find one. But no, the Olive Gardens don't exist where I am. Easily one of the best things about having you as a co-host is that I can use the "oh out there in Hollywood" line on a regular basis <laughs> on this show. I really like that. <laughs> Thanks, Lawler. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I'm the is king. Is that how they talk well, down the there king. in Memphis, Tennessee, Jeff? <laughs> no, I just you know I I. I, I found it funny that you were like, man, I'm going down to get me some lunch at the it's Olive Garden. It's five minutes I go, away. And like, I, there are not that you many. You and the 75-year-old man who thinks it's good Italian cooking or something. I don't think it's good Italian cooking. I think it's affordable. It is a place where I can post up, drink coffee, and edit a show, and eat until I'm full, and eat salad, and make sure that I get... You know, my greens so that Ma is proud of me and she knows that I am hold, hold eating on, hold a on, nutritious hold on, diet. Hold on. Hold on. Did you just say you're editing a show at the yes, Olive Garden? Yes, I edit shows at restaurants all the time. Oh, man, that wait staff must hate it's, There's not that many people at the Olive Garden, Jeff. It's not. People are not <laughs> yeah, knocking but... down the door at the Olive Garden. I'm not, like, <laughs> tying up families from eating dinner. Um, I sit there. I tip well. No, I drink but they a know you. Of... They ain't getting yes, a tip from you. they get a tip from me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, they do. I get taken care of. It's not. I'm not stingy. I worked in the service industry for years, buddy. I was a bartender. I was bad I know, at but, it, but... but I was a bartender. Okay. Chris, the 90s are back, just like Alf, except this time in pog form. Oh, my. Woke up this morning to the news that WWE has hired Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff to be executive directors of Raw and SmackDown. It's a shame that there's nobody else in wrestling who apparently understands this business. My initial take and I'll get to, like, we'll go into reasonings and things, because it could be any variety of things, and nobody really knows. I don't want to knock those two guys, but I just think, you know, it's time for a change. If you're talking about getting fresh ideas in there, no knock on Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's awesome. And Bischoff's fine. But that's yeah. just the point. Chris, I don't I don't think this is about getting fresh ideas. Because you ha- you can't have fresh ideas right now. You have to have working ideas because you have this big debut on Fox and your ratings are going down. So you need people who know what wrestling was like at its peak. And so I think they just got these two guys who know Vince, what Vince wants, 
I think they're going to be basically yes, man. I don't think they're going to be. I think they're going to have their own leash creatively, but it's not going to be very long. I, I, I have a number of theories Can I give you a prediction down the road of what Paul Heyman will say when he leaves the company in, I don't know, let's say three years. He'll do an interview. Vince kept, Vince kept changing all my great yep. ideas. That's exactly what you will hear, yeah. and there will be a contingent of people who will believe that hook, line, and sinker. I won't know if it's true or not, but that's exactly how I see this going. There will be this hope of good be. ideas coming because Heyman has arrived, and those good ideas will not come to fruition for whatever reason. But we don't even know if he's an idea. No, we don't. Guy. That, we that's don't. just no. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. We don't know the thing. Now, let, let's take a look at some theories on this because because I have some. Um, it, let's take the worst possible, most base theory there. It, there Vince could be. is trying to kill the company and destroy the stock price. No, no, oh. slow down. You said slow, the worst theory. No, I was trying to no. give you the worst possible theory. I mean, from Vince's. I mean, from Vince's perspective of what he likes and what he doesn't. You're like. no fun. He. I know I'm not because I want to talk about this okay. and get into the nitty gritty. It could be just as simple as I mean, this week Stephanie McMahon gave a rah rah speech to the NXT crew, which they love this kind of corporate fealty compared with a certain sense of competition because the last brand split they had different writing teams and Vince would set them against each other. And all these, it could be just as simple as I need to a spark in my television and I need some conflict because we know, we know he works on stress because everything's last minute. So I'm going to get these two guys who don't like each other. I'm going to put them in charge of two different teams and I'm going to have that little, you remember in the early days of our current presidency where he hired two people with vastly different opinions on the same subject and have them fight it out in meetings. It could be as simple as a internal sense of competition that he wants. And Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff don't like each other. So it'll foster that kind of energy. It could be as simple as that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of viability to that theory, I, I think there's an idea that the Monday Night Wars were when this business was the hottest, and Vince has always been a believer that the brand split has more of an oomph to it than I think it's ever had, especially for the casual fan. I, I think, you know, inside of the bubble, inside of the company, they think they do all these symbolic things with the brand split to really make these points of delineation. But outside of the bubble, when you're just the casual fan, you're not really following this stuff all this closely. It all has the WWE banner on top of it. So you think that, you know, really it's all just part of the act. Um, I'll tell you a theory that it's not. I'll, just to throw this away. I don't, I don't think it's a lack of faith in Triple H. I think he's happy with how NXT is going. I just think it's too important right now to do a complete tonal shift in the product given the de debut in October. I think I think that's why Triple H or the NXT crew is not getting one of these shows. Yeah, I think that that's probably the right answer. Although, I would say that it's probably time for the NXT crew to start getting some of SmackDown or to start slowly changing the tone of SmackDown. Leave Raw as it is, but you need to start 
moving in the direction of NXT because the answer for making this product a little bit hotter, I think, lies within the way that NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live are being booked and not in the way that they're booking Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I find I find this decision overall to be like playing prevent defense. I, I think it's not – there's no imagination in it. I think it's a safe pick. And and here's the other – here's another theory I'm going to throw out at you. In addition to having to now kind of just oversee the XFL that's coming up, he has this AEW thing going against him, and and he's aware of it. So right now he's getting wartime consiglieries, and it does a twofold thing. Number one, both these guys have worked under Vince and know what Vince wants. In, and they're not on the market now. In his product. Yes, that's that's point number two. With AEW doing a national expansion, taking pieces off the board of people who have done national promotions so that if they fall on his face, which I think Vince arrogantly thinks they're going to because they're just a niche product, blah, 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 blah. They don't know what it takes to run a national brand, et cetera, et cetera. If you take those guys off the market, then they can't be consultants. I, but I think overall, I mean, as part of theory number one, let me put this to you as well. Fitz goes in to creative every day. He has writers who are millennials. He has agents who are mostly Ring of Honor or TNA retired, uh, retired personnel. He doesn't, Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko are gone, guys who remember the Attitude Era. Michael Hayes is really the guy who's left. He doesn't have a Pat Patterson. He doesn't have a guy that he really, who was of his own generation, who was there throughout all these things, through the Monday Night Wars, except for Michael Hayes. So he's bringing in guys like Pritchard and Bischoff and Heyman, who knew what wrestling was, quote-unquote, really like when it was hot. And he's just looking for someone to help get his own quote-unquote genius back on track to how he won the Monday Night Wars. And that way, you know, in, in maybe a sick way, he's bringing in Heyman and Bischoff to know what not to do. I don't know, but but I think there's something of a, of a generational gap where he looks around and he goes, I have no one to talk to because none of these guys have ever been successful. Yeah, that's Vince's real problem is he has no intellectual peers to really bounce ideas off of. And so part of this might be, well, Eric and Paul sort of understand me. And in a way that, yeah. you know, Pat, well, they've worked yeah, with right. him. they did well, work with also, him at various points, of course. Yeah. And they were also his arch competitors and they also sat in the same seat that Vince sat in, Vince is a little lonely. I think that's what's going on here to a certain extent. You know, if he if he brought in Triple H to run one of those shows, Triple H would want right. to do it his way. Right, and he way. knows that. I think that's a little bit what's going on, and I think that's part of what the he's trying to nerf Triple H theory is thinking about incorrectly. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's nerfing Triple H. No, I don't Triple think so H. either. I, just think I think he that thinks, they're processing that data he point He thinks incorrectly. Fox, yeah, Fox bought his product. I need to, he, they bought this with Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar. They want The Rock. They want Stone Cold. They want the Attitude Era. They want it to be, they want to, because Vince is in a stressful bind here. The WWE is in a bit of a bind here because they are taking over a time slot that is death, but that Fox made popular 
with last man standing. Okay. If they go in and they do less than that, what was the point of, of buying this property? And I, I think there's a bit of that. And that's why Bischoff is getting smacked down. It says in the article in, in wrestling observer that he's going to be the one dealing with the network, et cetera. And Eric Bischoff has had experience dealing with network types. He's a schmoozer. He can do these types of things. Whereas oh, Vince, I think, key. gets yeah, impatient. Right. Absolutely. Gets impatient sure. from time to time. I mean, Vin- Vince has a, Vince brings his Vince personality into all these meetings and stuff. And he can be corporate, but he can also just but lose Bischoff patience. has a much you better it, track hear- record of being able yes. to do the corporate interplay. He kind of liked all of that stuff. Vince fancies himself a small business owner, and that's in part because he's um, unwavering, unyielding in a lot of ways. Yeah, Bischoff does not wear his heart on his sleeve like Vince does, because you'll hear Vince sometimes cut into the uh, like the the stock reports and stuff and just take over because he's tired of Barrios and whatever the hell he's saying. Why why don't you people get the point kind of thing? And you're just like, that's not the guy you want. And also, Vince is going to be very busy overseeing. Um, it, it's Andrew Luck's dad, right? That's uh, that's running the uh, XFL. Whose dad is it? Ooh, I don't it's know. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'll, a football I'll, I'll, guy. Okay, never mind. Um, but but it's somebody famous. Father is is right. It used to be. Oh, it's Oliver Luck. Yeah. Um, who used to be with the NCAA? Huh. You know, that's launching this year. So you have all these things. I just and look, here's another ridiculous theory. And 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 I know. It, we oh, can yeah, we can entertain be... this ridiculous theory. But when I talk about submarine, the stock price, we don't get to give that five minutes. Oh, sure, Jeff. Fine. Whatever. Give me your ridiculous theory. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Your theories get to get entertained. But Chris's theories, they have to die a quiet death alone. That's fine. No, I'm fine. I'm OK. I'm rising above it. Give me your theory. Well, I mean, this is just a ridiculous one. It, it's had been fine. And, and it's what I heard or or thought of. And I'm just like, yeah, because what's the uh, what's the pop culture that WWE has been comparing itself to lately? Uh, I don't know. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. OK, see, I missed that one, too. So Vince wants his own little Game of Thrones. And that kind of goes into my first. What know, if Vince has been thing watching like Game of goes Thrones on chaos. and that that's what is, I'm thinking. He's ten yeah, years right. behind. No, but someone just everything. started him on this series, and he's watching this yes. and going, "This is great! Damn it, we need more of this." I need my own. I need my own War of the Five Kings. Maybe this explains a little bit of the the Miz and the Miz's dad and Shane yes, and the dad stuff. An- all of the dad stuff coming back in the family stuff. Oh, oh, that's a very dangerous threshold to be cusping. He thrives on chaos. And it's and it's one of those things that's so stupid it could no, be yeah, real. Absolutely. Because 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 when I heard was it was it two years ago or last year that someone did an interview one of the ex writers did an interview with Freddie Wayne Prince Jr. interview where he talked about watching Richard Pryor? Yes, where he talked about his favorite no, where he talked about his favorite T V show was Sons of Anarchy. Oh yeah. And I go, Of course okay, it yeah. is. Of course it is, and that's why he does all that motorcycle crap all the time. Of course it is. And that's why he has, you know, people do things just off the cuff with no real adherence to plot or story, <laughs> because he's a fan of those types of shows. I mean, it, it's a dumb theory, but I, I mean, I... Well, no, I think if you pair that with that Freddie Prince Jr. anecdote about how he was watching 
Richard Pryor one time on an airplane, and Vince was like, who is oh, that? Yeah. And Freddie Prince Jr. explains, it's Richard Pryor, this is really funny. And Vince is like, well, why would you watch that when you could just watch the WWE? We have everything you need. And I think that anecdote speaks to a uh, very limited cultural capital. So he gets into a show like Sons of Anarchy and or Game of Thrones, and it's not like he has that now in this matrix of other television that he's watched, and he's watched a lot of stuff, and you can just kind of cross-reference it and take a little bit from here and a little bit from there. It just becomes a very straight ripoff. Like, if you were a musician and all you've been doing was like listening to Pearl Jam, and then it became time to write the next album, and then all of your songs kind of sound like Pearl Jam. So it could be anything from chaos within and competition between the writing teams to Vince, the smart thing, which is Vince is establishing a war council of people, of sounding boards, of various viewpoints to somehow know it. Too much Pearl Jam. To get his, God, stop, to get his, uh, to get his creative mind back on track, knowing that there are losses in the live gates, dramatically dropped in ratings, et cetera, et cetera. So it could be anything from brilliant to stupid. We're just going to have to wait and see, and we're going to have to wait and see how much creative input these guys have. Um, something you weren't around for on my Tuesday show I brought up. I don't know if you're aware of this. Seth but- Rollins was very busy on Twitter earlier this week. <laughs> There's yes, that is that too. what you were trying to talk about? <laughs> that wasn't... No, the point I was going to go to was that uh, there will no longer be wrestling at live events during Oh, yes. No, I am aware of that That's... as well. Yes. Okay. And that has been okay. very I, I wasn't awkward sure to watch getting yes. written around yes. this week on both Raw and SmackDown. I think the reintroduction of the two out of three falls match as a convention is really messy. I mean, Jeff, it's the end of 50-50 mm-hmm. booking, right? It's 66-33 now. <laughs> Uh yeah, I sent my piece on the uh on the Seth uh on the Seth Twitter battles. <laughs> Seth being corporate uh corporate cheerleader a bit, but uh I I kind of defended Seth on on uh on Tuesday's show. Uh if you had any thoughts, I can appreciate that he's in a very weird position right now because he has arrived through a number of different weird ball bounces that are not necessarily all by his own making at the top of the heap he is being trusted with the football and he wants to hang on with that Ambrose leaving the company as a close friend and saying all of these things puts some eyes on him and we know that Vince and really just the company culture can be very snipey and if it looked like Seth showed any sort of sympathy towards Ambrose or defended Ambrose's position to any level of depth it could have an effect on Rollins's bottom line. Now that said the actual substance of the comments that Rollins has said I don't really see a ton of merit in. I think he's kind of out to lunch when he's talking about Ambrose leaving the company. I understand Ambrose's position on this, and I don't think really Rollins has a great leg to stand on. Well, here here was my defense uh, of the comments. I didn't really get into the uh, into the Ambrose stuff. It was more the Osprey part of the thing where he said that WWE is the best wrestling on the planet by sheer numbers on the roster. They have a loaded roster and you have guys who even the mediocre guys could go elsewhere and be good. 
They just don't use them the way that we want. They have them the to best roster on the WWE. planet, but they don't have the best wrestling on the planet. So yes. I, I would say that that on they the don't merits, ha- they don't have the they best ma- they don't have the best matches top yeah. to bottom. But I mean, no, they have the best. But resources. New Japan has its There's own. There's no denying that they have. They can put on the best yes. shows. Uh, New Japan. I mean, we'll see what they do with Wrestle Kingdom this year, but they've had bigger Wrestle Kingdoms in years past, and so I, I would say there's even a little bit of a production gulf right now between WWE and all of the other companies. So, but that doesn't necessarily cash out to the best in-ring wrestling, even though you could do it with the best camera coverage, with the best entrances and all of that. They're not doing that right now. Well, I think you also need to also, and, and the other just Cliff Notes part of the thing, if you people want to listen to it, they can listen to the Tuesday show, What was the art versus commerce debate where, you know what, some people want to go out and have four-star, five-star classics every time out, and some guys just want to make money and do what needs to be done and set up their family for life because they've already been like like Seth Rollins has been through R O. No, and, and I totally feel that. I mean, but when you say we have the best band, normally when people are saying like we have the best rock band, they're not saying like we're selling out all of these major arenas. There's usually a artistic merit argument underneath it, and so. I'm fine with if Seth Rollins wants to gloat about his bank account, and apparently he does. I'm fine with that, but that doesn't necessarily cash out to having the best wrestling. Chris, as a well-known Nickelback fan, I think <laughs> your <laughs> argument. <laughs> yeah, no, right, no, it's, yeah. Oh, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad, I couldn't hold on to it. Ah, uh, so, um, where do you want to start in the uh, in the network? Uh, Oh, I, I will also make a recommendation uh, again. If you did not watch the Alexa Bliss 365, it is well worth your time. Is it good? She she's great. She really is, and her mom's adorable. The problem is she's the biggest heel on the roster, and I don't want to like her. This sure, much. sure. No, no. I, I was <laughs> you know, interested to see how Jeff they were going to handle out. that. If they were going to kind of you know go Healy with it, or if they were going to actually try to sell us on cute Lexi Kaufman, who I think is very endearing. No, they did. They, 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 it's cute Lexi Kaufman. There's some manipulative, uh, editing on the, uh, promo video for this because she's really talking about her friend with a brain tumor when they spliced it to make it look like she was talking about her time in NXT. Oh. Which is a bit, which, which, which really turned me off. But other than that, I mean, she's great. Right, right, right. She's yeah, that, that's, that's pe- not her. That's the production team. She's one of my favorite social media follows because of that stupid pig, which also gets some time on screen. Larry Steve, her pet pig. Um, I hear they yeah, make no, excellent that's well pets. Worth the watch. Those little, the little small pigs. I hear they make really, really good pets. Oh, it started as a small pig, but I don't believe she did her research. I believe she just got a pig. Oh, I, I, I know another story like that. It's now full size. Yeah, yeah, that happens. That, that, yeah. that There are people who are selling regular piglets as micro pigs, and it's actually, it's really kind of a horrible thing. Um, they Although, I mean... The pigs end up making good pets, and there are owners who, you know, try their damnedest. It's, I mean, taking care of a pig that large is a real pain in the ass. I, I want to start with NXT. Yeah, let's do it. Um, In my pantheon of favorite women's matches, this cage match was is now in my top five. My, my top five of women's matches in NXT that I've seen in terms of women's matches goes something like this. Bailey Sasha in Brooklyn at the TakeOver is head and shoulders my number one. And then within after that, it's, you know, any combination of the Iron Woman match between Sasha and Bailey, the fatal four-way between the horsewomen, and uh, Sasha versus Becky one-on-one at, at, uh, at that takeover. This is number five. I absolutely loved this cage match. I loved, 
I loved the here. Here's what I really loved. Number one, the reality towards the end of just both trying to crawl and scrape to get out of the cage and just doing whatever it took to keep the other from getting out. I loved that struggle. My one down point on this is if you're going to have her do a moonsault off the top of the cage, she has to win. You can't tell a story after that. Yes. Because right. I thought that the she, ending sequence she, got to be a little too busy in terms of strokes. But the actual in-ring action, if we're talking about the wrestling, the, the wrestling all the way up until where Candice and Marina and Fight and Play come down, all that stuff. I thought the in-ring wrestling was awesome. I loved Shayna with the gloves. I just, the striking early on. I was like, yes. This is just a really good wrestling match. And I'm with you. Once you do the moonsault, you you got to, you know, just go home on that. You got to give her the win. Yeah. You yeah. got to give her the win after a high spot like that. You can't just do then go back to the story of it. That it's just you have a, a a superstar after doing a move like that, but they always they they do this type of thing where it's like somebody does a really great high spot and then it's like, well, now we we got the story to tell, so we can't we can't crown that person. We gotta get, but we got our plans here. Um, I will say this: Shayna and Walter this week took, and and even Travis Banks in some respect took hellacious beatings. Shayna took a beating in this match, and that's why I respect the hell out of Shayna. Oh yeah, no, Shayna will take a beating in a match. The one thing I wanted to say about that high spot too is, man, you know, it's so important to have good camera coverage, especially with key high spots like that. And in the case of Io Shirai doing that moonsault, they only had one good angle, and in the directing mm-hmm. and the editing of it, they weren't able to get to the good angle of it until the fourth replay or the third replay. And I thought that that really hurt that moment. I actually was watching the TV and said, oh man, I bet you that looked really cool live. It's too bad that they had such a crappy shot of that. And they eventually got to the better one from the entrance ramp from the overhead cam uh but it's really really important to have good camera shots of spots like that yeah um i i I liked the struggle of the cage match it felt like a cage match versus a versus it just wasn't a a wrestling match match. in a cage it wasn't an escape match either it was an actual cage match Shayna was really relishing fighting in the cage i thought eo showed good fire i mean i i love the heel turn i just think that there was something missing in terms of why she was mad at Candace. I think Candace needed to I more agree. concretely screw something up. No, I but I think I think there's a story there if they want to tell it. And and here here's the story. Okay. And, and and this is this is me booking in my head trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense cuz that that's a point I agree with you wholeheartedly on. If EO says Candace should have been here the moment that those two were out there doing chicanery. Instead, she waited and came out later. I could see being angry about that. Or she should have pulled me down from the cage and pulled me to the victory. That's also Mm -hmm. kind of heelish. Um, Although, again, EO was not signaling for that at any point. That that was kind of a weird spot. I would have just liked, and and this this is an artistic choice versus anything else, I would have just liked her lashing out at Candace and kind of being shocked by it as opposed to following yes, up on it. Yes, I, I would have been fine with her having walking it go away the and then losing it again next mm-hmm. week. You could have actually slow burned this heel turn a little bit more, and I think it would have been yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I did like, tell you something, 
Io Shirai screaming in Japanese. Oh, no, she's like, Sa- she, yeah, sexy. I know, right? The, there's that thing that happens when women turn heel where their hotness factor goes up. I don't know. I, I think it's about 17.5%, but I'll have to check the numbers after it's, the show. It's eight on the Asuka scale, because Asuka is just always just pure sexiness, whatever she's doing. I mean, when, when she did that iconic pose and she's just shaking her hips, I'm just like, my God, woman, will you shut it off for once? Uh, but no, Eo, I like that she, they allowed her to scream in Japanese as opposed to having to try and, I mean, she did a little bit of the English stuff. That's fine. I don't need friends is but, not bad. That was fine. That's all I needed. I, I don't need friends and then just going to some Japanese rant that we don't understand with the implication that she's saying some very nasty things about Candace in Japanese. I am fine with that. I'm fine with Tazawa not speaking English. I'm fine with Nakamura not speaking English. I'm fine with them just conveying their mood through whatever their words are and give me subtitles if I need them, like they did with the Kushida promo. But I, you know what? I, I love Io Shirai is a great actress. She's the best women's wrestler on the planet, in my opinion. And... Again, I'm going to reiterate this after after the last takeover. Shayna Baszler is the strongest champion NXT has ever had, and maybe the WWE has had in a very, very long time other than Brock. Yeah, no. You know what would be interesting, too? There's a little Shayna Baszler versus Asuka match here. Build up to that at some point. I'm down for that, man. I'm down for, you know, really good women's wrestling programs, but they're not programmed for that i mean i'm down for bailey and shana if we ever got to that too because i think their dynamic in terms of bully versus hugger oh what work, a fun storyline you know, that would be too some of the old nxt classics come back down to try to oh the horsewomen yeah. feud was right there but they no, never no no but so, you could you know even what? do a little bit of uh shana baszler's talking trash about how she's the best that's ever been through nxt and then that prompts some of the legends of nxt to come back around and test their medal against shana baszler i think that could be kind of a fun storyline here but we got some other matches to talk about here on this nxt show like for example the debuting Angel Garza versus Joaquin Wilde. What'd you think about Angel Garza's debut? I'll tell you one thing. I absolutely loved when he when he faked out the high five and then kissed the old woman's hand. Yes. I was sold on him right then. I went I'm in. I'm in. Um he's a little they've they've taken taken young Mr. Garza and made him a little bit wackier. I don't know if I like the pulling off of the pants thing halfway in the match and having, especially having Beth go, oh my, um, it's wacky. Um, it's a little I bit don't know if it works Eddie for me. Guerrero. That was the vibe I was yes. getting. But, you know, here's the thing is when I go back and watch Eddie Guerrero in the mid 2000s, I'm always a little bit jarred with how much kitsch. Guerrero was saddled with towards the end of his career that just you know, I mean mm-hmm. especially the people who love Eddie in WWE they've just came to accept but like when you're someone like me who grew up watching Eddie in WCW he didn't have nearly as much of that stuff until later on in his character development it was interesting to see them go that route with Garza I don't necessarily hate it and people did seem to appreciate the ripoff of the tights is he a babyface or a heel he's a heel but I could see them. I, he's a charming heel. Right. I, I like the charming heel. I like I that, like too. That. I kind of I I like that little edge. I, I like, like that, that idea of having, you know. I even just, like him in a gray a area. Yeah, a rogue. Yes. I, the Han Solo type, if you will. And that's will. why I was saying Eddie Guerrero. It's like 
heel tactics, but not necessarily always a heel cash out. If that makes sense. Well, I, I like I like the the I'm a heel, but you'll forgive me because I'm so damn charming. Yeah, yeah, you can do that too. Right, Eddie Guerrero. Um, and I thought uh, I thought Joaquin Wilde did well for himself too. I I, I was a big fan of, of DJZ. I, I really wish like DJZ. Uh, I think that this character's got too many colors in his tights and his hair yes. and all this stuff. It's just. It's a you know lot. who he is? He's T. It's a TJP slash Ali type of oh, yeah. hybrid thing where where, the, the where it's too much of the, especially. the 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 entrance is a little too much and and the finger thing with the no w I like that you know what just, I like the W and here's why you I know like why it. I like the W though it's a reference to the DJZ logo he's doing the same right. left yeah. and right hand things only in different positions now the Z is now a W. Yeah, it's it's a little sports entertainment by half for me, but I understand people like it, so I will, I will forgive it. Uh, go on, please. So then we had video packages from Kushida. What did you think about the Kushida video package? Dug it. Needed yes, it, it was needed necessary. to be a little bit more serious. Yeah, no, I, I'm on board with it. I'm still kind of going. Well, where is Kushida going? But with Adam Cole. As champion, I think we see the arc for Kushida, but he also could have a way station with Velveteen Dream at some point. I, I like having him open. I like having us thinking about what's next for Kushida. Good beat to have us on. They just need to have a good follow-up afterwards. Then we had a promo from Damian Priest. This was short, but he still managed to use a word that didn't make sense in that context that was a very Vince McMahon word, where he said at one point, realistically, you haven't even seen anything yet. Which is a sentence that Vince McMahon comes up with and thinks sounds really badass, but when you actually think about it, means nothing. Tell you one thing, though. His delivery is freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. No, he's very intimidating. I am, I am, I am in for hearing him try and cut promos so long as they're not too wordy. Yes. But he has a certain he has a certain confidence in his delivery where he doesn't sound like he's acting. He just sounds like a guy who's talking and and that will always draw somebody like me in. I I kind of agree with you. Good the, performance, bad scripting. That that's essentially my argument here on this promo. Yeah, the the realistically I didn't mind, but I was I was kind of watching the aura and I was watching him walk and then the voice I went he has a certain bass in his voice which will help him command an arena once he starts cutting promos live. And and I, I, I dig that. I, I good God, if I could kill everybody who said what this week during uh who's pro oh, it was Tazawa's promo. I'm like, will you cut that crap? Well, you out, wanna know what's please? the crap about that is that Tazawa is a better actor in his second language than Tony Nese is in his first yes. language. And, yes, and, and yes. there's no one <laughs> who can like probably perform in their second language with that good inflection. Look, no, Tazawa is oh, doing something like we're very, very... It sounds like you're no, burying he, Tony Nese. It's not just a burial of to. Tony Nese, although I do think he's underwhelming. It's also putting over in a very strong way Tazawa's acting ability. He's actually really yes. good at this. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, let's finish up. Yes. Now we have the Street Profits facing off against the Forgotten Sons. So I don't have a problem with the actual angle coming out of this match, but I thought that this opening section made the Street Profits look a little bit stupid, where they kind of invited the Forgotten Sons to have a tag team title match against them, but we're willing to go ahead with this, knowing full well that Jackson Riker's just going to be standing by outside, and Jackson Riker never just stands by outside. So 
I'm fine with the Street Profits challenging the Forgotten Sons to a tag team title match, but I want them to attach, you know, a few basic clauses like Jackson Riker can't be here, and once we do this, we're done. And then you kind of weasel your way around that and figure it out. But the important part here is to make sure that the Street Profits don't look like dummies who are just recklessly gambling their titles. I have a problem with the Street Profits being... How can I put this well? The crime time light sort of whimsical prankster... The promo that they had was too cute by half. Yep. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was the. Uh, it, it was the scripted joke thing. Blah blah. I. I. And and they messed up the verbiage, and it didn't make any sense in the end. But they hit. They hit the landing, so to speak. But it was. Yeah. It. It, it went the long way around to get to the point of we'll put our titles on the line, and that's all they need to say. We'll be fighting champions. We're putting our titles online. Instead, they did this stupid knock-knock joke crap, which, you know, it was good for the lead-up until they got the titles. Now you need to give them some championship heft, in my opinion. Street Pro... I mean, look, the Forgotten Sons, I'm just done with this feud. I've seen it over and over and over again, though I did like the one thing that Jackson Riker did this week that I absolutely love was, was playing the Mama Hen to... uh to Cutler and and Blake and pulling them by the hair when they were going towards the ring to go back and fight them after uh, Lorkin and Birch came out. I thought that was awesome. It's really interesting to see the reorientation of the Forgotten Sons characters, such as it's being done, with Jackson Riker as much more of the leader figure. That has been an interesting yeah. development. I, I'm not really sure how it cashes out. And yeah, the Forgotten Sons... Or like if Joseph Connors was a tag team for me still. They're capable, but they're not interested. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I I need I need a little bit more grit to them. There there I need a little more grit, I need a little bit more uh Ruthlessness. How we Come po- on, baby. Ruthless, Let's stick on this. Some, look, we're a motorcycle gang, but we're getting our butts kicked. This isn't what week. they do I, I on Sons of gang. Anarchy, Jeff. They do crazier stuff, I've been told. Break up the gang if you can't if you can't be a gang. That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I want them to be, that's what I, I want them to be a competent biker gang. <laughs> they're not a competent biker gang. They're, they're, uh, they're three whiny guys who get upset when, when they, when a crowd chants stay forgotten. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, but I, I've seen enough of this feud. I want, I want a good street profits feud versus somebody other than the, uh, the forgotten sons. Keith Lee, real quickly, squashed Nikos Rikos, who is notable because he has a very unique wrestling attire that I believe is largely made Good out Lord. of electrical tape. Or or like a hefty bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Keith Lee needed to be uh, rebuilt. This is fine. Yeah, it was absolutely fine. And then I really enjoyed this Adam Cole video package. I think that this is a nice multi-week story that we're getting here. It's good to have the I'm living the good life, I'm being the real brand champion, all the classic heel top guy champion trappings. It's going to be so fun to watch the Undisputed Era in the limousine, on the private jet, doing all those sorts of things. And then this little wraparound thing that they're doing with Johnny Gargano. I'm into this. It's a 2019 version of a 
1986 flair video vignette yeah. without the problematic stuff with the women. That's it. That's all it is. It's, it's, I'm the champion. I got a jet. I got media appearances to do. I'm the man. I'm important and I'm rich. I love, but he's it. also got Roddy as Arn Anderson out there doing yes. something shady to mess with Johnny Gargano because they're not done screwing with Johnny Gargano yet. No, they're not. They're no, they're not. I think that was the order to Gargano. Right. I think that's what right. That was. Yeah. That was cool. Exactly. Um, I, and I, I liked this as much as I hated the, uh, the hires, um, promo. God, that this was week. so weak. That, that was, was bad. really, that really was bad. a big wet fart. Is what that was. Did not like it. I'd, I'd much rather Vanessa Bourne be take the lead rather than uh, Noof. As much as I like Noof. Yeah, and the other part is that camera angle doesn't work either. Yeah. They, they, they need to have a different vibe when we go to the the hires video packages, and that name just doesn't do much for me either. It's just. It's uninspired. But the, but the camera's higher. The ca- camera's higher, and it's looking down on them, Chris. Right, but shouldn't they be looking down <laughs> on the camera? <laughs> yes, that's a very good point. Uh, Shall we move to NXT where do you UK? Go next? Yeah, let's do that, because 205 Live was, was a little bit stronger, in my opinion. But there was, there was a lot to like on this NXT UK show. Like, for um, example, this Mark Andrews versus Joseph Connors match. <laughs> No, this is fine. <laughs> all I could think of it, all I could think of when I was watching it was how is Chris gonna bury poor Joseph Connors this week? Well, he he punched uh, well, he kicked with spirit, yeah. and they they went to the outside, and you know I I'm here, right? You know I didn't quit out on the show or anything, so I figured that was a pretty strong outing for Joe. Another solid week of commentary from Aiden English on this NXT I think UK he's show. Really I thought he put good. over Mark. He's just a real delight th- to listen yeah. to, man. I, I think he's awesome I think he in color put- commentary. He put over Mark Andrews strong, especially the little nugget about the band thing in the beginning where I didn't realize that was Mark Andrews' yes. band singing that right, song. Right, right, right. And they have talked about that in the past, but when Aiden English was able to connect with that and talk about singing and all of that, no, I really appreciate that. Uh, Keith Lee also raps his own song as well, so you have a couple of people like yeah, that. Yeah, I knew that, yeah. but I didn't know I didn't know Mark Andrews was was, was uh, the musician behind his own music here. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been in a No, band. I like, I like Mark Andrews a lot. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was underappreciated in TNA. He was underappreciated uh, in what they've used here. Um, I know he's undersized, and I know that puts him at a disadvantage, but, man, he's great. No, he is a total Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, underdog, mm-hmm. babyface type of guy. I mean, right down to the fact that he does the shooting star press. I, I watch Mark Andrews, and I definitely get Billy Kidman vibes, and... Kidman was a guy who had a really nice little career over in WCW. Mm-hmm. And if you do it right and you really take advantage of the underdog status, WWE's it, not great at that, but maybe NXT UK can be. Watch watch a few of his PWG stuff, especially there was a bola where he was he was he was fighting a uh, evil player Uno, and that thing was better than it had any right to be. That thing was great. But yeah, no, I, I like him a lot. Imperium gets Walter ready for the match tonight, and then we go to a delightful, delightful video package. The Hunt. Is this The Hunt? Is this yes, The Hunt? Is. Good. I want that shirt. I want the the boar, boar, boar shirt. Mm. That it, I just love that these two are just spitting yes. and snarling. Right, after the match. And that's they all they do. They're smashing stuff. They're they angry, snarling. There's no conversation between them. They're just mad. And they're standing outside. They're not wearing... 
they're not wearing the masks that they wear sometimes. They're just they're just snarling at each other, hitting things. I'm down with this. And then Mastiff's Mastiff has to be the zookeeper. He's the general. I'm cool you with this. You have the Mastiff, the Love wild this. boar, and the primate. I am so into this. And my my favorite thing was the tag on this because 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 uh, primate is going. You know, he's hitting a couple of the the poles. And then he turns the corner, and then he takes a step back and just roars, and then goes back in. I howled. It was great. It was fantastic. No, I'm so into this. Mastiff balances out this unit. Now you have a big guy, two small guys. They make perfect sense. I want them to smash stuff. Let's do this. Gallus yes. is going to get hurt. I'm into this. I would, I would, I would love the hunt to bring out something in Dave Mastiff that he just he just didn't realize. You know, because he's always been big, but he doesn't have that edge to him. He's he's the jolly, he's the jolly big guy right now. I want him to be the angry big guy and see what that does. I'm for into him. that. No, I I think that that's that next level thing, and if, especially when we are at some point going to build a Walter and Mastiff, you know, two big guys finally colliding. I think that the hunt bringing out a little bit extra intensity to go up against the very austere Imperium. You have the chaotic hunt versus the, you know, the ring is sacred. Everything must be orderly Imperium. I think that that's a great contrast. And yeah, having a little yeah. bit more of that from if Mastiff had, would be good. Yeah, if I had a time machine, I'd put the hunt against the sheep herders in like a barbed wire match and just watch them just kill each other. I would love it. It's just a bloodbath. Give me that. <laughs> Zach Gibson, who is a gem yes! who can make anything sound good. Like, Grizzled Young Veterans is still a name that basically sounds like fine young cannibals every time I say it. It's not cool. But the way Zach Gibson says it, it's cool. I'm not really sure how to really essentialize it, but he's very, very good at what he does. And I loved the covered shoes. I thought that that was a great gimmick. I was waiting for that. I was actually waiting for that to play into the shoes off gimmick with Gibson. Uh, but but this was all just a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. He did the he did the cheap heat stuff, but he did the cheap heat stuff well. That you smell and go pay two quid for deodorant, and you know oh the, there's all the music here sucks. You know it's cheap heat. Oh, but the line but about you spend a million dollars to get into this place but can't buy deodorant. That's funny. Like that's good cheap yeah. heat, right? That's no, that, it's that's great. A twist. He's 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 great at it, and he's the best promo in NXT UK. Then we love uh, him. Love him. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Then we had a video of Rhea Ripley and Piper Niven getting ready. Rhea Ripley says that she's not a bully. I'm not so sure about that, Jeff. Piper Niven was great in this package. Just, just the happy. You know what? I'm here to do a job, baby face. And Rhea Ripley's just like the the aggrieved. The aggrieved heel that isn't really aggrieved, but wants you to believe that she's really the victim here. I I loved this 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 tête-à-tête between these two. I think these two have great chemistry with each other. Then we had Zaya Brookside versus Killer Kelly, and I thought that this was a really interesting study in how effective entrances can be. I didn't necessarily think this was a great match, but I thought that the entrances were really, really well done. I thought Zaya Brookside nailed the emotional energy she needed to have coming into this match against Killer Kelly, kind of serving as this mini-boss type figure as Zaya Brookside continues her story against Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard, you know, making her way and climbing her way to the top of the ladder here. Now, where I think... 
things kind of went off the rails a little bit is when you brought out Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard towards the end of this because you didn't let Zaya Brookside just overcome Killer, Killer Kelly and really get that strong, decisive win and have that big moment of overcoming. It was more of a kind of almost banana peelish type of victory over Kelly. And then Kelly gets up and looks at Zaya Brookside and is like, oh, all right, and then leaves. I was expecting Kelly to at least attack Zaya Brookside. So the end of this match was off, but I really liked the start of it or and the entrances. I thought that Zaya Brookside showed me a little something with her ability to command a camera. They needed to do a replay of why this match was happening yes. because they they only got it to it in the middle of it, and I had forgotten about it that Killer Kelly would, was the one who walked out on Zaya Brookside when Jazzy came out. I had forgotten about that. Okay, okay. So they needed they needed a reminder of that to set this match up. I think they could have fixed the issue you have and uh, kind of the issue I had. Ginny and 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 Jazzy come out and. Ginny is just friggin' electric in this role as kind of being Jazzy's handler. I mean, she's just, she's dressed to the nine. She looks good. And she just has that cocky, cocky look with just the eyebrow and the smirk where it's just like, dear God, she's great at this. But at the same time, Zayed should just take a look at her, go back to the Killer Kelly match and beat Killer Kelly while those two are watching. I thought it was a mistake for those two to leave. Right, right. They should have been there and shocked that Zaya Brookside got scouting. Yes, they should have scouting, been scouting and even or whatever. like Ginny just a little bit surprised that Zaya Brookside was getting that this. win over Killer Kelly. That that's where the pitch me, was off for me. Yeah, give me Ginny doing the sarcastic Nancy Pelosi clap after she wins. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, Good job. You beat you beat Killer Kelly, but you can't beat my woman. Ha ha ha. You know, kind of thing. You know, give me that or or something. But I, uh, you know, the her coming out was a bit weird because they did this weird camera cut and then went back and then and then they just kind of left after they looked at it and after like Killer Kelly got the roll up. I was like, okay, that that didn't fit for me. I think they should have stayed out for the remainder of the match, just as kind of an intimidation factor for Zaya. But Zaya still overcomes because this is her story. So, yeah, I think just a little bit of uh, a little bit of better staging would have helped here. Next, we had Ligero versus Gnome Dar. And now, guess what, Jeff? I am 100% on board with Ligero every time I see this guy because of the video package. I'm rooting for him. I want him to do good things. I was excited to see him come out. I wanted to see him wrestle tonight. And he, he did a good I, job, at least in my opinion. I thought the match was good, but I just I I, I like Legero a lot more now. Yeah, I just can't I just can't be made to care about a match against Noam. No, and, I just and then can't. Here's the problem. When you bring out Kenny Williams, what are you signaling to me, the viewer? What you're signaling to me, the viewer, is nothing that is going on in the ring right now really matters until Kenny Williams gets involved. And I yes. thought that that was the real disservice done to Ligero, who you just done this video package for, and I'm trying to get excited about watching the Ligero match. And now this match against Gnome Dar has a little bit of a cloud over it in the form of what's Kenny going to do? So Ligero's not the focus for me. Kenny is. And I mean, I guess we're building to this Kenny versus Gnome Dar feud. But I was wondering if Kenny was going to turn heel or if he was going to end up being a baby face and not help Gnome Dar, and that was what they wanted me to focus on, and I did, but that also meant I didn't invest at all in the match that was in the ring. 
Yeah, I, I, I will defend Noam Dar in this way. I liked the entire sequence where he's banging oh, no, he's for the so chair funny. and then looking at, and looking at the ref and then pretending yeah, to be hurt no, and then going, funny. give me the chair, give me the chair. That was very well done. But, uh, no, I, I agree with your assessment on that. Um, and then all we have left, I believe, is Walter and, and Travis Banks. Yeah. Am I right yeah, on no, that? Yeah, no, no, you're right else? on that. And I wish I could say more about this match, but this was a lot of Walter controlling this match. Travis Banks gets his little hope spot, and then we go home relatively quickly after Travis Banks just gets obliterated with that powerbomb on the outside. I would have liked Travis Banks to get a little bit more, but I, thought, Absolutely. I, think, he got, I think he got enough. I, I think I think he, you know, I mean, when you look at Walter after the match and his chest is all yes. marked up like it is, it gives the impression that Travis Banks got a lot more than he really did in this match. It felt like Walter was controlling things, though, for a very, yes. very long time. I liked Walter's pacing. I like Walter's slow heel offense. It's It's a different style of grinding slow heel offense with the... Not necessarily submission holds, but little pain moves. The twist the deck, stomp on this, step on that, step on the throat. I I like the break and grind you down, ugly muscling moves that Walter does as a heel. And I thought that was very effective. But man, I I just think after building up Travis Pegs this much, I wanted to see a little bit more out of this. Yeah, to me, this was more of a lower mid-card guy going up against the champ and getting his one spot in in an extended squash versus a competitive match. I I loved when he put Banks on the top turnbuckle and did that climb yes, over it was spot so cool. with the thing. Yeah. That was awesome. Loved that. Walter's great. I, You know what? I almost, this was almost the spot. Walter took so much of this match. I almost wanted the mutual respect angle from him after the match where he's looking down at Travis just kind of gasping for air because he almost got too much offense. I like strong champions, but I like strong challengers too, right. especially when you've built them right. up over these weeks. Like like his promo in the beginning of the show was pretty good, I thought, for for especially for Travis Banks. But, yeah, I wanted a little bit more offense from Travis Banks, to be honest with you. But uh, it was a fun match to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I just wanted a little bit more offense out of Travis Banks. I don't have a problem with the outcome, but I, I just think he needed to feel a little bit stronger coming out of this. Shall we move over to 205 Live? Let me sing the praises of a couple of things on 205 Absolutely. Live. From the get-go, I loved this Drew Gulak promo where it basically explained his character yes, yeah. from the beginning of 205 to now. I like that he spoke it into the camera. I want them to talk to me and make that connection to me. So I loved this. I loved the little hint of menace in his voice where he where he said where he says I'll be waiting for the winner of this match tonight. I I like Drew Gulak. I think he's the guy to carry this division for. Oh, right I now. completely agree. I mean, look at all of the natural storyline feuds that he has. He has the feud with Tony Nese, which isn't just about the recent title change, but it is about a long and fairly acrimonious relationship between them where they were once friends. You have a feud with Jack Gallagher 
who you can build back up, a completely different style of match. But they were once friends, and they are no longer friends, of course. And Gallagher is now kind of solidly a babyface. The Brian Kendrick, not necessarily my first choice to heat back up, but certainly you could run a little angle between the Brian Kendrick and Drew Gulak once again. Tazawa, someone that Drew Gulak was going to teach a lesson or whatever. Actually, I'm sorry, that was Brian Kendrick was going to teach Tazawa a lesson. But Drew Gulak feuded with Tazawa. I mean, there's a lot of good, natural storylines with longtime rivals. And I agree. I think Drew Gulak is the steady hand to steer this ship until we find that next dynamic babyface champion. But I dare say in the history of 205 Live, what we have experienced up to now is that this brand has worked a lot better with a really capable, really strong heel champion like an Adrian Neville than it has with babyface champions um, and has seemed to have an easier time staying reliable in terms of match quality and show quality with the heel champion. Well, the Voices uh, Twitter account scared me a bit because Tazawa at midnight after he took the pin tweeted done. And I was like, another former cruiserweight champion is going to leave this thing. That that makes what, three or four? Including, I mean, let's see, uh, TJ Perkins, uh, Adrian Neville. I still count Aries as a champion, even though he never won the belt. He was such an important part and of it. And our favorite, Enzo. Um, who's Enzo and someone else I thought had left. But uh, no, but it turns out, you know, I think it was just, you know, something else. But Tazawa's going to be on this Evolve show that's going to be running on the network. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that match versus Adam Cole uh, for the NXT title. I think that's great. Now, Chris, I'm going to sing the praises of a man who does not like me on Twitter and I have uh, thrown shade at week after week for performances, acting-wise. Mike Kanellis was fantastic this week in a number of ways. I loved that match against Gallagher. I love this Gallagher. I love Bugs Bunny Jack Gallagher as the technical was... The, the, my problem with the Bugs Bunny quote-unquote tech, tech, technical character is it was always Zack Sabre Jr. doing it, and Zack Sabre Jr. is too good of an athlete to be doing that kind of cutesy stuff. Jack Gallagher is the right guy to do Bugs Bunny-type offense where he's just tricking guys and ducking them and doing, like, ankle locks to get them and, you know, waving at them. He's the perfect guy to do it. When they did it with... Zack Sabre, he was not the guy to do it. So I love kind of an old school throwback to J- old, the first time we saw Jack Gallagher in the in the Cruiserweight Classic with, with a lot of, you know, you know, the head, headstand. I love the bicycle spot with Canellis in the in the chin. Um, and then at the end of the match where Canellis just lost his focus, that might be the best performance I've seen of a wrestler who actually lost his crap at a referee and lost his focus in professional wrestling I have seen in a long time. And that's bold statement for me, but I believe every moment of it, of a guy who's been so fed up with Drake Maverick comes in, this referee screws something up and he just can't take it anymore. I absolutely loved Mike Kanellis's acting throughout this entire match and this entire post-match. He's still not showing me what I need in the ring to be very into Mike Canellis. However, okay. I'm with you on his acting. 
This is a thing that I think that he's really turned a corner on or found the beat on in recent weeks here. And I, I completely agree with all the stuff that you were saying on the acting stuff and even the in-ring blocking. He does a very good job at that. And, and I'm now intrigued to see where the Canellis maverick storyline goes, which is not necessarily a thing I thought I'd be saying four weeks ago. I'm, I'm going to have to ask because, again, I was a little reticent at the beginning of the match because it looked like and I think it's an artistic choice, but it looked like especially Maria just had no interest being out there, but it wasn't the kind of pro wrestling acting where it's like, oh, I got to be out here. It was more of a disinterested performer type thing. And I, I was going, oh, God, they're going to come out here and half ass it again. And I was I was pleasantly surprised by Canellis here and, and also Galher. I, I, I liked this match. A lot more than I thought. Yes, I would. yeah, I agree with you and, on that. And I and and the entire and the entire Canellis quitting, you know, it, it plays into quote unquote real life. But I, I think he was fantastic. No, it was a pretty good match. Um, next though, we had Umberto Carrillo versus Rob Rollenbeck. This is a big opportunity for old Rob to maybe get another chance to come back here, but he did not make the most of it and. The blocking and the beats in this match were not great, and very quickly, our boy uh, Umberto Carrillo ends up getting the win. I want Carrillo to be more of a big deal. I don't understand. I don't know what's missing with him right now in his entrance. Um, but I don't I, know. Sexy, sexy baby face may just be hard to pull off. Maybe you know. I, in, I don't uh, want him to do Matador. Although M- Matador, no. it, like he would look good in that type of cut in terms of clothing style. Um, he has the right frame for it, but he shouldn't do that. Um, I don't really know what's not clicking with him, but but maybe this is something like Drew Gulak, Umberto Carrillo. Like, Drew Gulak was trying to teach Umberto Carrillo the proper fundamentals of how to wrestle in 205 Live. That might be an interesting thing to revisit here, but then you'd still need to do something story-wise to really spice up Carrillo. So we get back to that problem of, what can we do to get this guy going again? But he's still very good. It might have been just as simple as the way he was taking off his ring gear outside. That I just kind of go, oh, that's you know that you know it's, he takes off the cape and and the uh, and the gauntlets and he's you know he's kind of it all feels there. a little generic. It's very generic. It, it, I want I think I want a little bit more. He's a guy that needs a little more, and he needs I something think, distinct. Like, uh, I like him unto a lot. himself. And I don't feel yes. like Umberto Carrillo has that, but I mean, he's a tall guy. He's obviously good looking. Maybe ease off on talking he's about good. how good looking he is, and he's very good in the ring too. So I, I think that all of these pieces yeah. can be put back in place very quickly. No, he, he he has something, and he continues to build on it. I, I'm just I'm at a loss for because I've been brainstorming because I like the kid a lot. It's just what what is he missing here to go to that next level where? I hear women screaming for him when he, when he comes right, out. Right, right, and he you know, definitely feels like the type of person where that could happen. I mean, if it was happening for his cousin, Angel Garza, there's no reason why it can't happen for Humberto Carrillo, too. Maybe we just need Drew Gulak to stomp him bloody so that mm-hmm. so that women are horrified mm-hmm. and, and crying like David Von Erich, you know, get an ambulance out here. How can you do <laughs> that? Yeah, but then you'd know. have, like, crying kids, and then the newspaper plays, yeah, you know, I know. WWE traumatizes children next week. No, I like crying children in my wrestling. That's one of the reasons I love that Sasha Bailey Iron. No, I know that was really awesome because that was the best spot on wrestling in like five years. I loved that. But uh, yes, more crying children. That's what I want because 
Jeff is heartless. Next. Make that a headline. Next, we had Arya Davari backstage, and he was cutting a promo. I enjoyed Arya Davari's promo a lot, and the first chair shot and the first exclamatory from Oni Lorcan was great. And then he kept saying it over and over and over. And it was like the this time was... he was upset about his windbreaker, Jeff. Yes. This was too weird by half. Yes. I was creeped out by Oni Lorcan more than anything. Yeah, no, he was really weird at the end of this. And I was like, yeah, I guess Ari Davari had that coming, but I don't really want to be near Oni Lorcan ever. Someone told him he, he's, he, look, Oni, go, go, you're far too subtle with your anger. Turn it up to 11. And he turned it up to 14. And you're just like, no, ooh, this is, uh, I get being mad. This is, this is mad five minutes after getting hit with a chair a week later, which comes off as a little weird. Like he's been obsessing about this creepy. all week and it's yes. been a plan. And you think about all the meal times where he was sitting down and like drawing out the schematics of how he was going to hit Arya Davari with the chair. And he did that for seven days. Yeah. No, it was a bit weird. Yeah. It was a bit weird. Yeah, no. I, I Okay, good. I wasn't the only one who thought it was a little over the top for him. I just kind of went, huh. Because <laughs> he came off as a clown more than as a mad guy. That that's what that was my issue. Absolutely. With and then we got to our main event on this show, which was Tony Nese defeating Akira Tozawa in the number one contenders match. So winner goes on to face Drew Gulak, which means we are finishing out the Tony Nese-Drew Gulak storyline. Before you start... Did you see the three-way at stomping grounds between these three, between uh, where Gulak won the title? No, I didn't. I did not. Go watch that. Okay. It is a fantastic match. It really is. It's really great. What did you think about the revisitation between Tony Nese and Akira Tozawa? Akira Tozawa's great. I love Akira Tozawa. I think Nice is a fine worker, I, I and I understand why they're doing that. He I, can do a lot of things, but there's something about... His match pacing and his offensive style that lacks a certain level of personality about it. Not unlike his promo style, which lacks a certain level of personality, um, although uh, different from his promo style. I think he's very competent, beyond competent in the ring. He could do a lot of different things. He can do all these power moves. He can do all these high-flying moves. He's got a very, very deep arsenal and range, but it's they all feel disconnected from one another. I, for for me, I just think I think cocky heel is more his lane versus fiery babyface. Fiery babyface, you know, Adonis like babyface work for him if he was doing it differently. But I don't think he's made the babyface adjustments to his match style in order for this to really connect. I, and you know, he also needs to deliver a few promos and give us a reason to really be emotionally invested in the guy. And we've never really had that. Yeah, I, I think he's he may be a guy who just plays off of people better, possibly. But I mean, yeah, his his he was his the most sympathetic were... when he was playing off of Drew Gulak, right? I, I think his peak yeah, baby faceness when he was a yes, flunky. when he was when he was a flunky yeah. and being insulted and demoralized, and we were all ready for Tony Nese to be like Virgil and really throw off the yoke of the Million Dollar Man and stick it to the Million Dollar Man. Well, yeah, he's and and his promos, for me at least, he's not saying anything. He's saying. Things that I already know. I won the title here. You didn't pin me here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get my title back. Okay, great. But there's nothing. Why there's am nothing I invested that. in that? The, You're the baby face. Why yeah, do why, I why want do I you care? to go on that journey? 
I mean, that's sort of a neutral yeah. guy thing and to that's say. Not his no, fault. that's not his fault. That is that not is his not Nisa's fault. fault. No. no. Um, my other thing is I am I am invested in wanting to see Tazawa built back up to the level he was when he had his one day title reign. I'm waiting for main event on 205 Live Tazawa to be back, and I thought they were doing it with the Kendrick rebuilding storyline, only to have Gulak come in and beat him the next week after the Fatal Five way. And I was just like, huh, okay. And th- now he's just kind of back to being the guy who has good matches, but doesn't get over, doesn't get built to anything. You know, kind of. There smiles, was a point where know, the yeah, battle promos. cry was way over. People yes. loved that. People yes. were into that. They loved That's... his energy. They loved that this guy fights hard. He takes tough bumps. He's kicking. He's punching. He's doing submission holes. He's high flying. Akira Tozawa has a move set that is wide in range and also feels really well connected to one another. It's kind of the opposite of Tony Nese here. And people were really into that. If you're talking about a babyface yeah. champion who probably could have connected, Tozawa is the guy so far that they have tested out that I think, you know, they only gave him the one day. They should have done a lot more than that. I, I think this is a guy who is really ready to run I with agree. it. Yeah, no, I, I think he'd be a great baby face champ. I think he'd be a pretty good heel mm-hmm. champ if, mm-hmm. if he turned on, because his charm is such where he's, that smile just is almost off to Jerry style to Zawa would be something. a lot of fun. Yes. Yes, I agree. And I, I think it's just, I'm waiting for that combined with I've seen I've kind of seen Tozawa and Tony Nese together for the last few weeks. And I'm just like, OK, once you've seen one of those matches, it's still great. Great feats of, you know, athleticism. It's just one of those things where you kind of want to go. Can we separate these guys for a while and then build up some sort of tension between these two before having another match? Because having a match for its own, I get the sports type of atmosphere they want to create here. But if the same team plays each other week after week after week, I don't want to see it two weeks in a row. That's why they go off and play other teams for a while. I I think that's just all. I have a little bit of fatigue with the small roster, and I know they're trying to get guys to cycle in and out to make it fresher. But it's like it's like you have eight guys and they're all fighting each other and you're just like, okay. Some of these storylines have overstayed their welcome. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. Like, like the Lucha House Party is going to be fighting for the honor of a pinata next week against the uh, Bollywood Why'd boys. you have to bring that back up? We were having such a nice show. Well, it's well, it's it's wacky, and I dug the promo. I, I th- found the promo, you know, I like unrepentant stupidity, and this feud is unrepentantly stupid in many, many ways. So I'm kind of, I've kind of broken through the I hate this to now, I'm slightly amused that Kalisto has decided he needs to fight for the honor of a pinata. You know, we were having such a nice show, and then you chose to bring up the piñata, and, and now I'm done. Now well, I'm done, Jeff. I'm done with the you, show. I, I, I we've, we've talked about all of it, then you brought up the piñata, and, and you just sucked the fun right out of this thing for me, and so now we're moving to plugs. You sucked the fun out by bringing up Olive Garden, so don't tell me I did not. Stuff. Olive Garden was a lot of fun, and, and I'm thinking about that now. It's kind of taking the edge off of you being such a buzzkill, but this is the part of the show where I remind everyone that you can find us on Twitter, at ShakeThemRopes. We also have a Patreon. We're going to be doing a look at the Crockett Cup here this weekend. We'll finally get around to watching it. I watched a few matches of it so far. I love the no-commentary part of this. I, I found myself calling the action while I was watching it, Jeff, so I, I was very 
I, I got to carve out. I got to carve out four I and a half hours because I watched Stomping Grounds instead, and my parents are in town tomorrow night. So uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe late. Maybe yeah, late, late Sunday, Sunday when we do yeah. this, but we'll we'll get it up there. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. Chris has a slew of political and non-political shows that you can listen to. He will plug yes, in here. Yes, at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. If you are into primary season, I got you covered over at Don'tWorry.TV on iTunes and Stitcher. Search for Don't Worry About the Government. Subscribe. I'm going through Every single Democratic debate, and I mean, if they're Republican debates, I suppose I would cover those too. Doesn't seem too likely, but hey, if you want that, it's all going to be there on Don't Worry About the Government, along with coverage of the Mueller Report and all that other groovy stuff. You can also find the All in the Family podcast, which takes a look at All in the Family, the classic 1970s television show. Find that at allinthefamilypodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. What are we saying now, Jeff? Is there anything more that we have to say? Or is this the part where we fade in the music? Endless salad and breadsticks, baby. I'm going back right now.